Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following podcast contains dramatizations of actual events. Certain situations, dialogue, names, and locations may have been changed. Some scenes are graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Identical twin boys, Dennis and Daniel Mahon, were born in small-town America, but their lives would take a dark turn. Dennis and Dan were the only white supremacist twins I ever met. This tribe of two would find a home in one of America's most notorious fringe groups. The Klan rewards the egos of the Mahones in such a way that it okays or validates their beliefs. And it would all come to a climax on a quiet morning in February. It was a huge explosion. We're not sure who had been injured, how many people had died. To ensnare the Mahon twins, investigators will use an irresistible lure. Rebecca is an ex-stripper. She's called a trailer park Marahan. But can one woman bring down these identical twins before it's too late? These two twins are about as hateful as any twins that have ever existed. Some say that late February is the best time of year in Scottsdale, Arizona. The winter chill is gone, but the famous summer heat is still months away. Scottsdale is an affluent community. It's actually a really great place to live. You have resorts, a really high quality of life. Scottsdale is glitzy and luxurious and very homogenous. And in order to build a more inclusive atmosphere, the city created an Office of Diversity and Dialogue in 2004, the man in charge, Don Logan. Don was absolutely well-respected and, and a great guy. I mean, he's a lifelong civil servant. Everybody who knew him loved him. 
For Don Logan, February 24th begins like any other day. After a morning in the office, he heads out to lunch. He has no idea that life as he knows it is about to end. Don came back from lunch, and he saw that there was a package there for him. Don asks his secretary about the heavily taped package. They were joking that maybe it was a bomb. Don't tell me they sent a bomb over And so he kind of laughed, and uh, he went to open the package, and he, he shifted the package just at an angle. When he tore into the package and he, and he opened it up, that's when it exploded. What follows is sheer pandemonium. Everybody was running for cover. They didn't know what was happening. It was total chaos in the building. There's been a bombing. Sirens blowing, the ambulances coming. Whoever made the bomb did a good job. It was a rather sophisticated bomb. Investigators would soon discover that this bomb had been over 50 years in the making. Identical twin boys, Dennis and Daniel Mahon, were born just minutes apart on August 5th, 1950. Dennis came into the world first, and from the start, he acted the part of the older sibling. In some twin relationships, that what you have is one who takes a more dominant role and one who takes a more submissive role. You see those become lifelong patterns. Oftentimes they start very early in life from childhood and carry all the way through until the time they die. In the small farming community of Davis Junction, parents instilled their children with small-town values. Dennis and Daniel grew up on a farm in, in the 1950s, and it's, it's the sort of atmosphere where work is the primary activity, not socializing. The twins' father trained horses, while their mother took care of the house. The Mahons made sure their young boys stayed on the straight and narrow. With a very strict upbringing, you produce children who are closed-minded. Back to the house! They have a certain set of beliefs, and they stick to them no matter what. They tend to be children who don't think as much as they believe. Like many young twins, the boys became inseparable. Of all the human relationships, twins, identical twins in particular, have uh, the closest bond. They have a really special way of communicating with each other. They understand each other better. Dennis and Daniel spent their time working together around the farm, repairing equipment and tinkering with electronics. Right from the beginning, we were both naturally adept, very good with electronics and with their hands. They could take things apart and put them back together, and they loved doing this. As Dennis and Daniel came of age in the 1960s, television screens were filled with images of American society in turmoil. The 1960s were a time of great social upheaval in the United States. Young people were protesting the war, black people were rising up and demanding their civil rights, and things were changing. For those who were not progressive thinkers, this was very frightening. They began to feel like they wanted their America back because things were just not going the way they liked it. In 1968, 
the twins graduated from high school into a world that seemed to be falling apart at the seams. For individuals who had racist values, um, as we saw with the Mahones, that was an especially difficult period because their worst nightmare was coming true. Dennis and Daniel see the world as a fearful place that's eventually going to get them if they have an allegiance outside themselves. Twins as individuals are like everyone else. It's just that the relationship between twins is particularly special. And the twins knew they could always count on each other. They both attended the same Illinois community college where they studied avionics. The boundary lines become blurred in some ways between these twins, even more so than other twins. They trust each other more than they trust anybody else. They become almost one in some circumstances in that they think alike, they act alike, and they associate with the same people. After college, Dennis and Daniel joined the Coast Guard and were stationed in the Philippines, where they worked side by side as electricians on the same boat. Twins sometimes find themselves as young adults still feeling really attached to their twin and having difficulty separating from them. After completing their time in the service, the Mahon twins moved to Florida, and it was here that their lives would take a dramatic turn when they discovered a book called The Turner Diaries. The Turner Diaries is a race war fantasy novel in which a guerrilla army of Aryan revolutionaries blows up the FBI building, creates mayhem, drops a nuclear bomb on Israel, murders and kills people everywhere. The Turner Diaries have turned on a lot of people out there to the idea that you've got to make violent revolution in order to kind of save the white race. Dennis Mahon has said that the Turner Diaries are what turned him into a racist. And soon these racist twins will be drawn into one of the most notorious and feared organizations in the United States, the Ku Klux Klan. Dennis and Dan, at the time they joined the Ku Klux Klan, felt that the country should have been white people's only. They think alike, and together they're twice as dangerous as they were separately. And before long, a horrific attack will focus the nation on the destructive nature of hate. In a flash, in a split second, uh, a truck bomb went off and took with it 168 men, women, and children. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Inspired by a hate-filled book, identical twins Dennis and Daniel Mahon have found a home for their racist beliefs, the Ku Klux Klan. The Ku Klux Klan is is the oldest uh, domestic terrorist organization in this country, and in every period, uh, despite what some of its leaders have said, it has produced an enormous amount of violence. The Klan gave structure, meaning, and purpose to the twins' shared racism. The Klan rewards the egos of the Mahones in such a way that it okays or validates their beliefs. And that's what the Ku Klux Klan offered to the Mahones, a way of not only belonging and believing, but feeling what they were doing was important. Imbued with racist fury, the Mahon twins quickly became very active on the Klan rally circuit. The people who live in the white supremacist world, the world of the racist right, generally do not have two pennies to rub together. So what you get is this strange world where there's this uh, small-time commerce. The Mahons uh, basically go around out there and they sell, you know, Celtic cross jewelry, little clan symbols, Turner Diaries t-shirts. As they attended clan rallies throughout Florida, identical twins Dennis and Daniel were mirror images of racism. And true to their birth order, There was one twin who took the lead when it came to spreading the message of white supremacy. Dennis is clearly the most active white supremacist. Dan is clearly the follower. Although Dan gets into activities on his own, Dennis is the one that's setting the the pace of activity. Dennis is the one that's the most vocal. After years in his twin shadow, Daniel decided to go his own way. Daniel moves to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he lives a quieter life. Uh, He stays in the uh, commercial airlines industry. Meanwhile, Dennis's star began to rise in the KKK, and he was inspired to take his hate up a notch. In 1987, Dennis moved to Kansas City. He found work as an airline mechanic. 
but his real focus was promoting the Klan. At the time Dennis moved to Kansas City, there was not a well-established Klan organization. He started it with a couple of other people. But I don't get that either, do I? Well, that's what we're working on. And since they had started it, they made themselves the leaders of it. Before long, Dennis became a high-ranking official in the KKK. And he would soon meet someone who would focus his hate and change his life forever. Tom Metzger started White Aryan Resistance with the initials war. They promoted the idea of white revolution and that this was white people's country. They were promoting violence as a solution. And for Dennis, meeting Tom Metzger was a match made in racist heaven. Dennis Mahon was already prone to the violence ideas. The fact that Metzger appeared and articulated them made him the magnet that drew Mahon. Eager for action, Dennis became Metzger's right-hand man and studied his lone wolf model of extremism. That lone wolf resistance or small cell resistance, the idea that you've got to fight the government uh, in very, very small units, uh, not in large groups at all, uh, that very much comes uh, from Metzger. Let me tell you something about what's going on in this country. And As Dennis spread his message of hate in Kansas City, Daniel continued to live quietly and the under the radar blast. in Tulsa. It's Dennis that you see in the news media during this period. Dan's just holding down a job. He's at home. But distance is no obstacle for hate. Before long, the twins would be back together again. Dennis would just love to travel all the time and, and recruit like-minded people to his, his organization, but he has a problem. He's, he's running out of money. Luckily, he has a twin, Daniel, so he moves in with him in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Together again, it seemed nothing could stop the twins. Daniel earned the money while uh, Dennis pursued the race war. However, Dennis was about to run into the one thing that would always trip him up. Not only was Dennis Mahon a braggart and a loudmouth, but he was a womanizer. Anything in skirts that went by, he made a pass at. Carol Howell came from a very, very good family in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She was a debutante. She had everything a child could ask. Carol Howe turned into some kind of raging uh, Nazi, some raging racist, or the Nazi debutante, as we used to call her. A petite blonde with a swastika tattoo, Carol Howe developed a taste for dangerous men. She was really attracted to the leaders and of the white supremacists, which I think gave her a real thrill to be with. And as head of the Ku Klux Klan in Tulsa, there was no bigger turn-on than Dennis Mahon. The feeling was mutual. Dennis was very enthralled with Carol. She, she was very beautiful, blonde. He used to call her his Aryan goddess. During the mid-90s, Carol and Dennis traveled together to gun shows and many racist training grounds in the Midwest. Uh, you know, this was, this was him taking his girl out on a date. I mean, that was his world, and I think she was very much intrigued by it. 
And it's like, wow, there are a lot of guns, and boy, they sure do talk a mean streak, and these guys are really tough. So I, I think, you know, she was very impressed by uh, Mehan's sort of macho world and his uh, tough talk. Together, they networked the shadowy militant underground, rubbing shoulders with many of the other leading bad boys in the supremacist world. Dennis Mahon, in particular, has really uh, spent time with uh, pretty much a who's who of the radical right in this country. Uh, he has been uh, close to many of the leading lights, uh, so to speak, uh, of the white supremacist world. Dennis was captivated by his Aryan goddess. But the bloom was soon off the rose. Okay, they dated for a couple of months, and then they, there was an incident. She walked out on him and she turned her back on the supremacist movement and uh, took out a restraining order against Dennis. And then Carol took her revenge one step further. An ATF agent learned about her and contacted her to ask her if she'd uh, act you know, as a spy for them against Dennis, and she agreed. As a rising star in a dangerous movement, Dennis is on the government's radar as a potentially violent extremist. Now a government informant, Carol was determined to get the goods on Dennis. But first, she had to get back together with him. Soon after she got back with Dennis, they, they started as they were before. Dennis took her out to gun shows, and all this time Carol was uh, taking information. She went to all the little hot spots that the white supremacist movement had. She reported back every little piece of conversation. And sometimes she did a deliberate attempt to implicate Dennis Mahon because clearly she had it out for him. For the next several months, Carol fed information to the government. Despite her extensive efforts, she was unable to get any solid evidence on Dennis. But everything would change one April morning. The Oklahoma City bombing was the greatest act of mass domestic terrorism in U.S. history. And Carol is about to make a shocking claim that places Dennis under unimaginable scrutiny. Because of Carol's allegations, Dennis now becomes a person of interest in the search for John Doe number two. Let me tell you something about what's going on. Dennis and Dan are mirror images of racism. This isn't just like one white supremacist, but two, and they're twins. It's, it's surprising. And now, outspoken older twin Dennis is about to come under intense government scrutiny. On a sunny morning in April, a man named Timothy McVeigh climbs into his truck and drives into downtown Oklahoma City. He parks next to the children's daycare center of the federal building and exits the vehicle. 9.02 in the morning on April 19th, 1995. You know, in a flash, in a split second, uh, a truck bomb went off. and took with it 168 men, women, and children, including 19 very small kids in a daycare center, which was located on the second or third floor of this federal building. 
the Oklahoma City bombing was the greatest act of mass domestic terrorism in U.S. history. And just hours after the explosion, law enforcement would have its primary suspect. Timothy McVeigh might well have gotten away with it, at least for a short time, except that when he left Oklahoma City in his getaway car, he had a license plate which was very poorly attached and fell off. As McVeigh makes his getaway, he's pulled over for a missing license plate. And when officers spy a weapon in the car, he's brought in for questioning. They had no idea uh, that this man was in any way connected to the bombing. Well, McVeigh sat in that jail uh, for two days and was literally minutes away from being released when the FBI finally figured out who he was. FBI officials found the axle to the rider truck that was used. They went to the rental agency of the truck. They found that it was rented by Timothy McVeigh. The question is, did Timothy McVeigh act alone or did he have help? The case became complicated very quickly because the people who had rented the rider truck to Timothy McVeigh, at least some of them felt that there had been a second person with McVeigh. This person was very quickly labeled John Doe 2 by the FBI. Now the hunt is on for John Doe number two. Dennis Mahon is a person of interest because he provided a window into the white supremacist movement at that time in Oklahoma. And Dennis Mahon's former girlfriend turned government informant has a shocking allegation to make. How tells officials Dennis might be the man they're looking for. At one point, Carol Howe claims that she heard Mahon talking to quote-unquote Tim Tuttle on the telephone. Tim Tuttle, of course, was one of uh, Tim McVeigh's aliases. Because of Carol's allegations, Dennis now becomes a person of interest in the search for John Doe number two. If Howe's allegations are correct, then Dennis has declared war not just on racial minorities, but on the government itself. After the Oklahoma City bombing, Carol Howe became the main force in the claim that Dennis Mahon really had been in many of the same places where Timothy McVeigh was, and that McVeigh had been a friend or had worked in some way with Dennis Mahon. But first, federal agents need to determine if they can trust Carol's information. Carol Howell had a lot to give back to the ATF in the form of information. Some of that information was good, and some of it was skewed so that she could implicate Dennis Mahon whether or not he was involved. She would say, oh, I saw this guy with Tim McVeigh, but when shown a picture of Tim McVeigh, she couldn't recognize him. It was bad evidence. Because Carol's information isn't as good as the ATF had hoped, Dennis falls off the list of suspects. He's no longer a person of interest. With no evidence to tie him to the Oklahoma City bombing, Dennis walks free. And true to form, he seizes the moment. After Oklahoma, Dennis Mahon had a field day. He went and ran around the country uh, telling people that McVeigh was a hero. By golly, you know, if we had a thousand Timothy McVeighs, we'd be a hell of a lot better off than we are. I had nothing to do with it, but if we had more people like him, this would be a much better place to be. He uses his new notoriety as a, a former suspect to raise his own personal profile and to self-promote. 
But unlike the other leaders in the white supremacist movement, Dennis is one of a pair, and his identical twin, Daniel, is about to have his moment in the racist spotlight. Dan was working as an airline mechanic. It was a job that he had had for a long time. When Daniel's company in Tulsa holds a diversity fair, he sees an opportunity to express himself. Dan is fairly disgruntled with this company's policies of hiring non-white people, people of color. He thinks that these jobs should be only white people's jobs. Daniel walks around uh, handing out leaflets that preach white supremacy, acute xenophobia, paranoia towards the federal government. When his boss calls him in to talk about the hateful literature, Daniel refuses to back down. When Dan gets fired, here was confirmation of the fact that he's getting fired because these people of color are moving in and taking their jobs. For Daniel especially, it increases his rage. It also increases his closeness with his brother, Dennis, and also makes him have more extreme positions and more willingness to act upon that rage. With the dawn of the new millennium, there's a new battleground in the war for white supremacy. The American Southwest along the Mexican border. After the year 2000, it becomes clear that the United States is a country that's headed towards a big demographic transformation. And so the anti-immigrant attitudes, the border vigilantes, these ideas generally get traction. Arizona is a natural next stop for these white supremacist twins. At the time that Dennis Mahon moved to Arizona, we were seeing the very beginning of a real nativist, a real anti-immigrant movement heating up in this country. For the Klan and neo-Nazi groups, for the Mahons, for all of these people, uh, this was a very wide open opportunity. It isn't long before a target is found in Scottsdale that embodies two big objects of supremacist hate, the government and people of color. The target's name, Don Logan. Don Logan's a great guy. I mean, he's a lifelong civil servant. He won multiple awards in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. And Don Logan is the head of the Scottsdale, Arizona Office of Diversity and Dialogue. It is against everything the Mahone twins stand for. After seeing his name in connection with a local Hispanic heritage event, Don Logan is on the radar. The Office of Diversity received a voicemail that said something to the extent that the white Aryan resistance was growing in Scottsdale. If I had my way, I'd drop about 100,000 illegal aliens right into Scottsdale and see how you like your damn heritage. There's a few white people who are standing up. But a voicemail is nothing compared to what's to come. There's chaos in downtown Scottsdale. There's been a bombing. Sirens blowing, the ambulances coming. And soon, a sexy undercover informant will be called upon to romance the twins for information. She was a trailer park Matahari, and she could work Dennis and Daniel Mahone as easily as she could work a pole in a strip club. Identical twins, Dennis and Daniel Mahon, are well-known white supremacists. In the heat and dust of Arizona, a lifelong hatred 
has found a new target. There was a racism scandal within law enforcement in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Don Logan was instrumental in smoothing that out. And because of that, they created his position as the head of the Office of Diversity and Dialogue. Don has never heard of the Mahon twins, and he has no idea that he's already in Dennis's deadly sights. This was a day that was typical Arizona weather, 60 plus degrees, clear day, shortly before lunch. I do an impromptu call to my wife and say, hey, I'm I'm going to lunch. I got a meeting afterwards in Tempe, but if you're available, I'd love to go to lunch with you. Well, she kindly declined. And so I went to lunch on my own. And when he returns, Don finds a strange package on his desk. And it's heavily wrapped, and I noticed that right away. It was addressed to me in my my full name. It said Donald Logan. Uh, The only time I get that type of information is from people that don't know me. I looked at it. I said, oh, someone sent me a gift. One of the secretaries said to me, she says, oh, if someone sent you a gift, it had to be a bomb. He grabs some scissors and begins to cut it open. And I began to cut down the center of the box, and I reached my hand in the flap. And as I lift the flap, I heard a pop. A pipe bomb detonates in Don's hands. The force of the blast shatters the windows nearby. My secretary began to scream, a scream that I will never forget. My hand was hurting. And as I looked around, there was confetti coming from the ceiling. The lights went out. The alarm went off. And there was the room filled with smoke. Don is rushed to the hospital and police guard the door to his room. Security is tight. Scottsdale is on high alert. I looked up at the television monitor, and uh, they start talking about me in, in, in the past tense, as if I had, I had died. And that was very surreal for me. Though horribly injured, he will survive. The way he turned that package saved his life. If he would have been holding it the way that it was intended to, or it probably was, it would have probably, instead of blowing a hole in the wall, it would have blown a hole through him and killed him. As Don lies in the hospital, his office becomes a crime scene. Arizona officials call on federal agencies to oversee the investigation. They started off this investigation thinking this was was something personal towards Don. This was somebody he knew. They did an extensive background search looking for enemies of Don. They couldn't find anything. But it turns out the perpetrator left a clue hidden inside the package. There was a note inside the bomb that investigators were able to piece together. It was signed Edmund Burke, who has been associated with with white supremacists. That was probably the first clue that this was indeed the work of white supremacists. The bomb itself is another clue. 
this is not the kind of bomb that you can construct merely by going on the internet. That law enforcement later said the bomb was a very sophisticated device. It was small. It was a little bigger than a cigarette pack, and yet it was lethal enough to apparently have killed Don Logan. With some key clues in hand, investigators narrow down the list of suspects. They start looking into who, who was in the area. A name that pops up is Dennis Mahon, who had left the voicemail in September. It so happens that Dennis and Daniel, who are twins, they're living in a trailer in Tempe, 15 miles south of where the bombing happened. The feds design an ingenious plan to draw their suspect into their web, using the one thing that had tripped up Dennis in the past. His weakness for women was well known and it soon became evident to government officials who were paying attention to him that if they wanted to get next to Dennis Mahon, the best way to do it was through a woman. Well, the ATF were looking for a particular woman, somebody who was pretty, uh, sexy, not a rocket scientist, you know, somebody who was just from his own kind of working class background, somebody that he could relate to and he could accept and feel comfortable with. If it wasn't the right person, he'd sense a trap and realize he was being set up because already he knew Carol Howe had been recruited by the ATF, so he was on his guard. The ATF comes up with a woman named Rebecca Williams. Rebecca was an ex-stripper. She needed money. Now, she comes from a family of cops. Well, I think for Becca Williams, it was a very tough row to hoe. She had to learn to talk the talk, which she had not spoken before. You know, she did not talk about black people in the terms that the Behans do every day of their lives. Uh, I mean, to be an informant is a very tough thing. The ATF set her up in a RV. The RV was decked out with audio and video equipment, and so she arrives in this trailer park in Catoosa, and she puts a Confederate flag in the window. She steps out of her trailer wearing real short shorts, and so she's immediately attractive to them, and she makes the very smart move of not approaching them, but of letting them approach her. Like moths to a flame, the Mahon twins come calling. And it isn't hard to keep their attention. This former exotic dancer knows what men like. Well, the ATF posed her for pictures in sexy tank tops and tight shorts, and she'd have a grenade hanging between her breasts. And Dennis really liked that. Something really attracted him. In order to win their trust and get them talking, Rebecca tells the twins she is a white supremacist fleeing an arrest warrant. Rebecca is called a trailer park Matahari. Now, Matahari was an exotic dancer who spied on the French for the Germans during World War I. Now, uh, in a similar way, Rebecca is an ex-stripper. Uh, Rebecca is going to be put in harm's way and uh, put in the vicinity of the Mahon twins, wired, uh, phone tapped, uh, prepared to record everything she can get them to say. Dennis is eager to show off his battle scars. He started showing her very proudly certain scars he'd got. Then he said one was when he bombed a synagogue, another was when he did something else, and uh, he thought that would turn her on. The undercover informant has Dennis and Daniel in the palm of her hand. Over the next five years, 
Rebecca gathers thousands of hours of footage. However, the smoking gun linking the perpetrator to the Scottsdale bombing is still missing. To make some of these cases requires a lot of serious work and serious patience. If you're going to make a case that holds up in court, you've got to do it right. That's the kind of thing Becca Williams had to be very careful about as well, right? I mean, she could not be seen on the tapes that she made to be leading these guys on to essentially entrapping them. Don't you want to build a bomb? Don't you want to get even? That kind of thing. You can't do that. After five long years, time is growing short for Rebecca Williams. Can she get the goods on the bombing, or will there be another attack? At one point, they look up and they see the second-story window, a shade go up, and everybody goes tense. You know, are they going to start shooting? Like a sexy wolf in sheep's clothing, former stripper Rebecca Williams has been gathering intelligence on identical twins, Dennis and Daniel Mahon, for years. So far, Rebecca has been unable to dig up any conclusive links to the Scottsdale bombing. There's very few leads, if you will. And that becomes frustrating over a period of time because creating that case and having the evidence and the leads to get you there is extremely difficult with people who are shut off. And that oftentimes happens with splinter groups who don't trust anybody else. And in the case of the Mahones, that small group would be my identical twin. In order to get the Mahon twins to talk, Rebecca must up the ante. So she and ATF agents hatch a new plan. Rebecca says that I have a child molester that I would really like to take care of. Could you teach me how to make a bomb? And Dennis teaches her how to make a simple bomb. One of the key moments was when Dennis Mahon described to Becca Williams uh, the kind of bomb that would be very effective, one inch by five inches. Well, that was the exact dimensions of the bomb, in fact, that had been sent to Don Logan. Uh, and that was a fact that had never been released by police. So that was terribly important. Well, this moment that was on tape was a huge victory for the ATF. It was kind of like the smoking gun they'd been looking for to connect Dennis Mahone with the bombing. At long last, Dennis has finally slipped up. At this point, the ATF has the information they need. In the meantime, the Mahone twins' mom is sick, so they move back to Illinois to take care of her. Despite the distance, Rebecca continues to probe for information. She simply had Dennis Mahon on a kind of romantic string for a hell of a long time. Initially, she spent time with the Mahon brothers. But later, when she's living in a different place, she's talking to them on the phone constantly. And Dennis continues to talk, blissfully unaware that something big is about to go down. After five years of investigation, ATF agents are finally ready to make their move. The ATF arrived at the Mahon's farm in Illinois, and they're not sure what Dennis and Daniel are doing inside the house, and it's almost a standoff. Dennis answers the door. No, no, I'm not going anywhere. You got a warrant? But refuses to come out. At one point, they look up and they see the second-story window, a shade go up, and everybody goes tense. You know, are they going to start shooting? The Mahon twins are well prepared for this day, a day they knew would inevitably arrive. Inside, 
the twins have a huge weapons cache, handguns, assault rifles, and multiple rounds of ammunition, all locked and loaded. They've brought several weapons down to the first floor, and it looked like they were really and truly uh, considering getting into a shootout. While the Mahons are still in the house, surrounded by federal agents, trying to decide if they're going to get into a kind of final gunfight or not, Dennis Mahon gets on the phone and calls Becca Williams, who he's obviously still completely smitten with. She's not there. He leaves the voicemail and basically says, you know, baby, I'm thinking about you know, whether I should get into a shootout or not. After 45 tense minutes, the twins make their decision and walk out unarmed. After the arrest, they, they were in the car going to the police station. They were both handcuffed. They knew their game was up, and they suddenly realized instantaneously together that Rebecca Williams had probably set them up. In January of 2012, Dennis and his twin Daniel were tried in federal court on charges of conspiracy to damage buildings and property by means of explosives. The trial comes to an emotional climax when Don Logan finally takes the stand. So I couldn't wait to look him in the eye and to let him know that you know what? You don't intimidate me, you don't scare me. I call him a coward. She says, you're nothing but a coward. The six-week trial comes to a dramatic end. Dennis is found guilty and sentenced to 40 years on explosives and conspiracy charges. Daniel, however, is acquitted. One twin will go to prison while the other remains free. As court lets out after sentencing, a mysterious woman approaches Don in the hallway. There was this pregnant lady, a brunette with glasses. She had this disguise on, and she called me by name. She said, oh, you don't know who I am. And I'm like, should I know who you are? And she says, it's Rebecca. And I'm like, oh, wow. How you doing? Thank you. She says, I just wanted to say, to say thank you. And uh, I had to be here. Well, I said, well, thank you for being here. And then I moved on. As the dust settles in Scottsdale, the motivations behind the descent of Dennis and Daniel Mahon into hardcore racism remain dark and mysterious. People think that there must have been some terrible wrong created, some terrible, horrible upbringing that turns people into white supremacists. It wasn't their farm background. It was their attachment to the notion that white people should run this country solely and exclusively that made them white supremacists. This set of twins were very upset with the way the world was changing around them when they were young. They were attracted to the racist right and ultimately got involved in the farthest reaches of the kind of revolutionary racist right. And at the end of the day, one of them, Dennis Mahon, finally decided to act. He finally went out there and tried to kill someone. 
sometimes evil and hatred are simply unexplainable. We know about Dennis Mahon and Dan Mahon because of their attachment to horrible ideas and horrible actions. It's the evilness, if you will, that sticks out for us. It's the evil that makes us take notice. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.